Welcome to the BG Cast, a podcast seeking to bring the battleground community and schools together. My name is David, and I'll be your host for this journey, and I'll be joined each week by Denny Waters, the Battleground Public School District Superintendent. Our goal is to bring the voice of the schools to the community and the voice of the community to the schools. We'll be talking about the many things that make BGPS such a great district, hearing stories from students and staff, and shining a spotlight on some of the hidden treasures you may not know about. We'll also be covering some of the challenging and controversial topics that bubble to the surface around the Battleground community. In this episode, Denny and I will be talking about the importance of social-emotional learning in the district with Deputy Superintendent Shelley Witten and Mike Mashaw, the Director of Instructional Leadership. Our spotlight will be with Marcy Sprecker, the Executive Director of Rock Solid Teen Center. We'll be playing a round of Family Feud for our game, and as usual, we get started off with the top 10 ways you can be a bad neighbor. All right, well, it's time for this week's top 10. It's when this when this episode airs, it's starting to be. I'm hoping it's going to start being warmer. We haven't gotten there yet. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> we only had um, seven inches of snow right. two weeks ago so. in April. <laughs> yeah. In April. Yeah. But uh, so so I thought. Well, you know, it's time to start getting outside and spending time with your neighbors. So the top ten ways to be a bad neighbor. So feel free to offer your fee- feedback on that. <laughs> Number ten. Wait until you get home from swing shift to mow your lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had a neighbor mow their lawn in the middle of the night? I, I, I've had neighbors mow, mow their lawn late night. Not in the, you know, I don't know about in the morning, but, you know, I've had yeah. neighbors mow their lawn at 10 o'clock right? at night. 9, yeah. 10 o'clock yeah. Yeah. on the summer night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I may or may not be that neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Number nine. Um, Give them a bouquet of flowers from their own flower bed. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't experienced that one. No, <laughs> no. I don't, I don't know if that'd be good or bad. I can't. I can't decide because yeah. we just like leave our flowers out there. Do you ever cut them and bring them in? Yes, bring them in all the yeah. time. Okay, yeah. only my roses. Yeah. Our daughter brings in flowers and bouquets all the time. But if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be doing it at all. They'd just stay outside. Number eight: Send your pets to their yard to do their business. My, my neighbors do that. Okay. <laughs> so if your neighbors are listening, then then you're, they, they can check off one of the lists. Right. right? Uh, number seven, every time a solicitor tries to, tell, uh, to sell you something, tell them you think your neighbor would love to buy it. Yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. that. <laughs> I, I don't think I could use that, but, but I heard they really love these. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see here. Number six, park your car in front of their house when your driveway is empty. <laughs> nice. That one that one happened to me a lot of times. Number five, get a rooster. Yeah. Yes. I have a rooster next door to my house. Yeah. Four o'clock in the morning, yes. three o'clock in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Four o'clock in the morning. It's a regular occurrence. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Number four, redirect their sprinkler heads to water your own lawn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wouldn't pay to water my own lawn, but you know, if someone else is gonna pay for it, it's fine with me. Number three, read their paper before they can get to it, clip the coupons, and then return it to them. (laughs) (laughs) Read the paper. I'm not a couponer. (laughs) You know, it just seems like you might have put a little too much thought in it, or you didn't have to put a lot of thought into these. Some of these just kind of came naturally. Uh, I don't know know where they're coming from. Uh uh, Number two, uh, I have not experienced this one, sunbathe outside their dining room when they have guests over for dinner. Yeah, good. <laughs> and this this one this one I have a lot of personal experience with. Number one, get a really loud exhaust system for your truck and let it idle at, for 45 minutes at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, yes. have, we have a neighbor that does that. Yeah, yeah being Don't. from Montana, you uh, experienced that quite a bit. <laughs> well, this week our, our spotlight is rock solid. Do you just call it Rock Solid, Rock Solid Teen Center? Rock Solid Community Teen Center. Community Teen Center. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking with Marcy Sprecker. Hello. You're you're the overseer, administrator, organizer, person in charge. (laughs) Executive director. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, welcome. Nice to have you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much. Good. 
Well, uh, can you just give us a, a brief history of, of Rock Solid, how it started? And then, and this is 20 years, right? Your 20th anniversary? Yes, it yeah. is. I'm super excited that we um, are celebrating our 20 years of making an impact with the youth in our community cool. in North Clark County, Battleground School District, and Hawkinson School District. Um, so Rock Solid um, was brought to fruition in 2002, and um, we opened the doors to the youth in our community, and we have been serving them ever since. We are a group mentoring youth development program for kids 5th through 12th grade, like I said, in Battleground uh, School District, as well as Hawkinson. Okay. And uh, we provide transportation from the schools to our program. We are rural, rural, so um, we it's important for us to be able to you know, give kids access to our program. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? You just have, have vans or something that go pick people up? or Right. So we have two vans. We also have um, a contract with the district that we can um, have school buses drop them off. And, um, and so we are able to give kids who may live way far away in our district because it's so widespread mm-hmm. um, access to our program. Cool. So tell me a little bit about the program. What what do students do on an on an average day? Mm-hmm. So we have all different kinds of activities planned um, daily for them. We provide them, you know, a, a safe place to come after school so that they can um, build relationships with one another and caring adults. Mm-hmm. Um, we we offer them a free healthy snack after school. So many teenagers don't eat breakfast and don't eat lunch. And mm. by the time we see them, they're starving. So we try to give them something healthier than what they would maybe get right. if they were to just head home <laughs> right after school, you know, grab the chips, grab mm-hmm. the candy, whatever. Um, and uh, um, so we, um, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> so um, they have a snack, yeah, a healthy snack. Yeah, and and what else do they do? Yeah. So we have all different kinds of like pool tables, foosball, air hockey, just for them to kind of, you know, hang out with other kids. And then we also try to incorporate life skills and um, community service projects hmm. and um, field trips, just try to give them all different kinds of opportunities they may not be able to um, have should they not be part of our program. Right. So it sounds like a, a good resource, you know, if, if parents need somewhere for their kids to be after school until they get home from work or something like that, this would be a perfect place to go, right? Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you've got an event coming up May 20th. Yes, we do. Yeah. We're excited. Um, you know, after the pandemic, we are ready to be back in person. Um, well, we are back in person as our program, but to get kids in our community together again and to be able to give them a space where they can just um, be safe, be supervised, have a fun time. So May 20th at the Battleground Community Center, not at Rock Solid, um, <laughs> tends to get confused. Right. But um, we offer um, an event of, on a Friday night where kids can come out and um, we have a DJ, we've got a photo booth, we've got inflatables, we've got um, an, a magician coming, we've got different cool. um, you know games, they're going to have Detroit pizza nice, um, and just be able to be kids. Also, we're going to have, um, in the hallway, we always have resource tables so mm. that kids can learn more about some of the resources in our community that may help them, may help their mental health, and take some swag home, too. Yeah. So what are some of the life skills that you, you teach there on a regular basis? So it's, it's all over the place, but we go from financial planning, resume building, laundry skills, Mm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. pet skill, you know, just things that they would need to know in their everyday life Mm -hmm. that would help them, that they may not learn at school. You cover money management? Money management. Yeah, Yeah, that's an important one. Yes, it is. Do you do do it old school, like with the the checkbook register and all that stuff? (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned that. We have a cafe and we sell thing we sell items that aren't so healthy like soda and candy and mm-hmm. that kind of thing and we have instead of kids bringing cash to the to our program um cuz you know kids love cash and and everything but mm-hmm. we have them put it on an account and we use check registers for them to manage their their account in That's our cafe cool. so they can see where their money's going. Their parents can see where their money's going mm-hmm. and um, it's just a little more accountability. Yeah. That's a great idea. Thank that's you. a good practice. Mm-hmm. I, I don't balance my checkbook anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at the balance. Uh-huh, right. My brother would, my brother would kill me if he knew that because <laughs> he reconciles his checkbook every single week. You oh know, boy. He loves it, but yep. he's also a math teacher. So 
Um, yeah. I, I'm not a math teacher. I was more of a creative person. You're right. But, same. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like people to know about Rock Solid as we as we kind of wrap up here? Well, Rock Solid just is um, very appreciative of all the um, you know support we receive from the community, from the school district, from just all different um, other nonprofits. Um, we wouldn't be able to keep our doors open if we didn't have amazing volunteers. So we're mm-hmm. always looking for volunteers okay. and and um, how would someone volunteer if they wanted to? Just give us a call, go on our website, rocksolid-teen.com, and um, connect with us, and we will give them more information. And you're in the Lutheran Church out in Brush Prairie? Yes, we are located in the basement of Bethel Lutheran Church. We are not faith-based, we are community-based, because mm-hmm. we accept kids from all backgrounds and religions, so Good. sometimes we are, it's miscon, you know conceive that we are a youth group, and we are a youth group, but we are a youth group in the community, okay. so... While we are appreciative of the space, we we are open to all. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Rocksolid-teen.com. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So we got a fun... I think it's fun. All, I think all these things are fun. I, and I just I put all of you through it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm used to it at this right. point. <laughs> so... Uh, I thought we'd just play a, a quick round of Family Feud. Okay. All right, so I need right. to... Yeah. Everyone's familiar with Family Feud. Yep. Survey says. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, who's the host of it now? Um, Steve, Steve Harvey. Harvey, yeah. Yeah. So I like to picture him out there on the streets actually getting the doing the surveys. So Steve <laughs> Steve surveyed a bunch of people, and this was these were the answers to his survey. So if you could go to the land of Oz... What would you ask the wizard for? So, survey said, what, what did people say in response to that question? If you could go to the land of Oz, what would you ask the wizard for? Bzz. All right. Money. Money. That is the number one answer. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play well or done, pass? Denny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass. <laughs> all right. If you, could, if you could go to the land of Oz, what would you ask the wizard for? Time. Time. No, that one's not on the list. Uh, that's what you get. <laughs> that's a good one. Wrong answer. <laughs> that's a good one. I would ask for ruby red slippers. Ruby red slippers. That's a good, another good one, but also not on the list. <laughs> Match the theme, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so time is not on the list. Time's not there. I would do, you know, ruby red slippers. You know, stayed in theme. Mm-hmm. Health. I don't think the ruby red slippers would look good on me. Well, Mike just got the got the number Health? two answer. No, oh. Health or a new heart. Heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, should have had bells. A working car. <laughs> <laughs> a new car? No, not on there. No, uh, that's a good guess though. Let's see. Good money. So if you got the money, you can do all the other things, right? Um, how many are there? Uh, we have six more. Wow. Health, wealth. Eternal life. No, no. <laughs> um, Take, we're taking notes for the team that we're going to put together for going and trying out for the family feud. sheesh. <laughs> Children. Children, no. Okay. Um, travel. No. So, so we uh, <laughs> see, see if I can kind of guide us in. So, so there are some, some that are specific to the Wizard of Oz. Well, then it's got to be courage. No, no, no courage. A heart, a brain. There we Smart. go. Intelligence. Intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Intelligence. A brain. Yeah. And then uh, we'll give you a couple more guesses and then I can just reveal the answers. So. Yeah, because we're not very good at this game, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> No, wrong one. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. Any more guesses? I'll give you, give you each one more guess, see if you got something. More, more generic, more broad generic. Uh, what, what, okay, this is the, the, the uh, world peace. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, had Earth. Bring, I had to bring out my beauty, beauty right, pageant yeah. question <laughs> answer. Yeah. From back in I, your days when right. you ran for yeah, um, I would, Miss Washington. I, I would like world peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Love. Love. There we go. That's one of them. Okay, now we're moving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're just one one shark. We have three more. Oh, three, three more. Three more, but one more guess. Hmm. How about Nope. Don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the number four answer was a hot bod. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. The seventh answer was happiness. Oh, that's oh, a yeah. yeah. We should have got that. <laughs> yeah. And and the last one was magic power to fly. Oh uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's very that was out of place, but yeah. So yeah. Now we know what to ask for if we go to see the wizard. You can ask <laughs> ask for a hot bod. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our topic for this week is social emotional learning. It's another one of those popular acronyms that uh, that gets thrown around in the school system a little bit. S E L. So yeah. if you hear that a little, if you hear S E L, then that's what we're we're referencing to. We have Denny here with us today. How you doing, Denny? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm then, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. And then sitting straight across from me, Shelley Witten. How are you? Great. Yeah. Great. And then to my left is Mike Mashad. Yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah, you did. Okay, Great. Good, good. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. So really quick, if you guys could just explain your role in the district and, and why you're in on this conversation. Yeah, so I can start. Uh, I'm the director of instructional leadership for our primary schools, okay. and I also work in the early learning world as well, okay. too. So I get to spend a great amount of time out in our primary schools and um, yeah, supporting our, our teachers, our students, principals, and really the entire organization. Great. And yeah, and I am Shelly Witten, and I'm the deputy superintendent of Battleground School District. I really believe in social emotional learning. And so what I hope to contribute today is just kind of a reason why it's impacted me in my life and how that translates in the school setting and okay. why I think it's so important to education. Good. I think it's going to be a fun discussion. Yeah. I think, you know, for our, our listeners out there who, you know, okay, what is social emotional learning going to be about? It's really about creating an environment where, you know, kids feel safe and respected and valued. That's that's really what we're looking for. Just a, 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 a great environment in our schools that is sets a kid up well for learning. And really what we've established or what the, the research has shown is that a kids, kids need to be in a good place emotionally mm-hmm. um, and socially mm-hmm. or else they're going to have difficulty learning the academics. Yeah. So sometimes people don't understand it, but that's the rationale behind it. Right, yeah. Some, a, a skeptic might, might say, well, why aren't we just focusing on academics? Right, right. And so yeah. social-emotional learning affects that how does that affect uh academic learning well you know and kind of kind of to the point that you know i was i was headed towards you know you can just imagine if a kid comes into let's let's say you know the the student was at home and things weren't going well you know what for for whatever reason maybe didn't have his favorite cereal or you know maybe there was a fight at home or maybe you know um his mom didn't get home till late last night and he right. comes to school and he's upset because of a number of various factors this idea now that he's going to open up his math book or he's going to open up his reading book and he's going to be ready to learn is difficult so um, really the impetus behind it is we're trying to teach kids to be aware of their emotions to learn how to regulate their emotions to deal with 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 stress to deal with issues like you know for instance you know Mike can talk about this a little more cuz he's done a lot of work for us in this area but bullying or you know being picked on by other kids and how how they how they're going to deal with it or for that matter if it's the person doing the bullying why bullying is a bad thing and why it you know why it's not something that they want to do and the impact that it has on their classmates or their friends so okay that kind of thing. Yeah. So Mike, you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I, I just, I think that, you know, being clear with kids is kind, right? Brené Brown, those are familiar with mm-hmm. um, the work that she does. Um, you know, talking to our, our students um, about our expectations, you know, many of them, especially our, our preschoolers and kindergarten students, that's their first experience in a, in a structure and environment. And so we 
I'm trying to be as clear as we possibly can around um, learning behaviors, expectations for the entire environment. You know, I th- think about the bathroom maybe as one example is, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in the bathroom, it's not time to play with the soap. <laughs> you know, it's to go flush, wash, dry, and get back to class. Right. And so we spend a great, a great deal of time in our primary schools teaching expectations. So then when we get to accountability for behaviors, that um, we've been clear with them and fair with them um, by the time that we, we need to get to, um, you know, holding them accountable to those behaviors, those types of things. But um, as Denny mentioned, you know, making sure that kids have breakfast, you know, making sure that they're ready for seat time, you know, mm-hmm. because their brains, the academics that are happening in our schools are so rigorous that um, really they need to be minds on and not being worrying about what happened on the playground um, that may have caused them to have less than desirable behaviors or emotions, those types of things, or as Denny mentioned, the things that are happening at home, mm-hmm. um, really for them to be self-aware, to be able to self-regulate and right. get back to task is a really important part of the work that we do. Yeah. Shelly, got something to add? Yeah, I do. Um, Mike used the word minds on. I know personally I was that kid. I came from a household with lots of trauma and mm-hmm. um, a mom with mental health issues. And when I came to school, I was not engaged, mainly because I really had other things on my mind. Mm-hmm. I really didn't didn't care about the learning that was happening in the classroom. And it wasn't until I had a great teacher who who allowed me to understand that I could impact my future in a way that was a positive thing and I could gain some control in my life because of it really put me on a path to realize how important it is for us to set the stage for learning. That learning doesn't just happen um, because a teacher presents great materials. It happens because the student is ready for that. And so, yeah, I would just say that I think that we have to set the stage. Um, It's not unlike having a piece of paper and a pencil out. You have to have the mind ready as well. And Mm -hmm. so certainly um, an important aspect of education. You know, I I think that the big difference... You know, because people will ask, you know, why why all of a sudden, you know, this push towards social emotional mm-hmm. learning, you know, um, and and I think that that it's always been there. I mean, it's not like it's not like we're doing anything that that schools haven't done before. I just think that we're being intentional about mm-hmm. it. And that's the big difference. I mean, I think that, you know, we were, we're, we've always been dealing with kids' behaviors. You know, we've always been dealing with issues of, of, of mental health or with trauma or suicide is a good, uh, is a good example. You know, if, if there were indications that a student w- was struggling or their behaviors were out of line, schools have been doing that for, you know, for eons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not that's not the issue. I think what what is different in the last several years, um, and you know, I, several years is a you know a range. Um, but I think the thing that is different is that we are being intentional about it, and that we are being we're not being reactive. We're being you know we're 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 making those moves beforehand. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to teach those behaviors. We're trying to teach coping mechanisms. We're trying to teach how kids can report things to teachers and can report to counselors. And one of the big impetuses behind this work in the battleground public school system was the fact that several years ago now, probably eight years ago now, we had a rash of student suicides. Mm. I think we had seven or eight, mm. uh, what they called a cluster, mm. um, over the span of, you know, nine to 12 months. Wow. Yeah, very, very, very tragic mm-hmm. and, you know, extremely sad. And it occurred not only at the high school level, but it also occurred for us at the middle school level. Mm. And at that point, you know, the, the entire community was looking around and going, you know, isn't there something more that we can do? Right. Uh, for us in the Battleground School District, we were lucky in that we applied for a state grant, the AWARE grant. Um, it was a federal grant, but the state of Washington had been awarded it. Mm-hmm. So we applied through the state of Washington, and the state of Washington said that they were only going to choose three districts in the state because this is a pilot program on social-emotional supports for kids. And we were one of the school districts mm. that were chosen. Wow. So we got this $5 million grant that we were able to implement over a five-year period. So basically a million dollars a year. Mm. And with that, we hired, 
we hired a, 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 a director and we hired um, some coaches to work with our staff. And then we put in place a whole bunch of interventions specifically aimed towards um, mental health, bringing in mental health services mm -hmm. from the community mm -hmm. into the, our schools. And right now, for instance, right now, all of our schools um, receive services from an outside agency, an outside mental health children's center. Um, and they come in and they provide a therapist. Uh, uh, a licensed therapist mm. and and we work with families it's mm -hmm. not as though you know we're just sending kids down there right. we if they want to you know if we think there's a need we contact the family members we work with them we get them there but then we also have intervention specialists at all of our middle schools and high schools so it's just been a real concerted effort on our part to um you know, instead of being reactive, being proactive, trying to, you know, stop some of these things before they get too bad and the impact is leads to tragedy. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen great results. I mean, we did have we did have a suicide recently mm. um, within the last few months. Um, but before that, we had gone a several-year period where we had not had a suicide in Battleground Public Schools. <laughs> so the end result was really positive for us. Right. Yeah, you know, that's from my from my vantage point, it's hard to under it's hard to I should say overestimate the value of saving a life. Mm -hmm. right. right. And, and, you know, it, it would be, it's, it's easy when you're sitting outside of something to, to look at it and, and pick at it and say, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But just hearing, just hearing, you know, it was how many students, seven or eight? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and basically one school year. Yeah. And, and then to go years without it. So, so how, you know, who knows what would have happened if, if there hadn't been some kind of major intervention. Right. And how many lives were saved. So, right. So great use of. And those are the those are the actual lives. People live and die by those. But mm -hmm. when you think about the trajectory of life that you can change for yeah, a student, that's good. let's talk about that. That really can be impacted greatly when you think about a student who's on a path where they're not learning. And so their life opportunities are going to be shortened. They're going to be a lot less than a student who's engaging in learning. And so if you can give them the skills that they need in order to re-engage in school, build some perseverance, some resiliency to work through traumas, then you're giving them the opportunity to change the path that they're on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's, let's dig into that a little bit if we can, um, because we, we, think, we think in terms of equality now. It's a pretty, a pretty broadly accepted way to think about you know, schools and communities and that sort of thing. Um, and, and it's easy to look and say, well, well, it is equal. My pen is leaking on me. <laughs> I just have to make sure I don't touch my face or something. Um, yeah, go ahead. You're only on radio. <laughs> we, we dare you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it, it's, easy, it's easy to, again, look from the outside and say, well, everything is equal. All, all the students in the district, no, no matter where they're coming from, they have the same, mm -hmm. the same opportunity, the same, the same education. But, but in a sense, it's not equal because you know, students that are coming from healthy homes and healthy families are set up in an entirely different way than students who are coming from you know, broken homes or divided homes or, or incredibly complex homes, multifamily homes, and a lot of those things. So if, if we really want to see, see the community flourish, which is one of the things we've been talking about on the podcast, we need to do everything we can to ensure that as many students as possible are coming out of the school system equipped not just academically but for life right mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. social emotional learning is one of those areas that that goes beyond math and you know reading writing and arithmetic to really develop students at a deeper level so can we dig into that a little bit yeah, i think uh, every student every child um, deserves a, a loving adult mm. right and I think about the nurses, I think about the principals, I think about the teachers, I think about the counselors, I think about all of our support staff, um, and how those individuals um, in the support or the the good mornings, uh, the goodbyes, mm -hmm. uh, the, the how are you doing today, mm -hmm. um, really can be life-changing for, for many of our students. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I want to get back to you something you said about, um, you know, what we give to all students, you know, um, we, to the very best of our ability, provide a safe, caring, nurturing environment for mm-hmm. all the kids that attend Battleground Public Schools. Um, but the truth is that some students need more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they need daily check-ins with, with a teacher, with a counselor. Um, as Denise said, you know, maybe they need a mental health support through Children's Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more important than everybody getting the same thing is is every child getting what they need to be successful uh, and making sure that we're looking at each child as an individual mm-hmm. and doing the very best that we can to meet those needs. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think when I think about uh, being able to provide some sort of equal opportunity to access what we're providing in schools. I think about the ACEs training that we've received and ACEs standing for adverse childhood experiences. And some kids come with no adverse childhood experiences and some come with a whole bunch. And what the training we've received tells us is that if you can put proactive things in place, depending on how many adverse uh, points a kid might get based on their own situations, they have such a greater chance of accessing things at an equal level as their peers. And Mike alluded to one, one of those things is having a caring adult in their life. Mm -hmm. And if you can have two, that's even better. Mm -hmm. Um, Removing some of the barriers that they have, whether that be um, a breakfast in the morning, or it just could be uh, providing some uh, social work help or counseling help. It could be a variety of different things based on the individual needs. But if we don't take care of those adverse child conditions, their chances of success go way down. And there's statistics, just like there is with math or reading, that tell us what's going to happen with a kid. If they can't read by third grade, there's the same information available to us about social-emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And, And so to me, it's malpractice on our part if we don't pay attention to that as well. And so I do think that that's that is a part of education, um, whether whether we want to admit that it is or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's there's no such thing as as you know a dump of you know a brain dump where you just plug in like you do a computer and upgrade the firmware right. and an operating system. You know, you have to create the conditions that do that. I th- I think about it in terms of um, gardening. I, I like to garden. You know, we've. We've gardened for a long time. Our, in our first house, my wife and I bought, we, we didn't have a garden plot. And so our, our, our neighbor had a tractor, it had a rototiller on the back. And, you know, I was trying, to, I was out there doing the, the work that my dad taught me to do, which is to spade up the soil, you know, and turn it over. And, mm-hmm. and the neighbor comes over, don't do that. That's, that's way too much work. I'll come over and I'll till it up for you. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. I, I love that idea. Well, he was apparently in a big hurry and just came through and just did a really quick one-time pass over everything and didn't get very deep. So we went out and we planted the garden, and I'm, I'm thinking, this isn't, this isn't very good. This isn't going to work so well. And we planted everything, and almost nothing grew like it was supposed to. Everything was really small, short, and stunted because you didn't loosen up the soil uh-huh. at a deep enough level for the seeds to take root, right? And and the same thing is true with people. If we if we want to teach, train, equip anyone, and 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 the soil is hard and packed up, then they're not going to receive. It doesn't matter what the information is; they're just not going to receive it. That's a great analogy. That is. So, yeah, is that why you wrote the top ten that you did about neighbors? <laughs> I had that one neighbor I had to get. I had to pick a bone. It with. wasn't on the list. No, I, yeah, I should add it on the eleventh though. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll revise it and add it in in post. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, so I want to, if we can, I want to talk about environment and the role environment plays um, on on a student's learning. Um, I have some stuff written here somewhere if I can find it. Uh, maybe while I'm while I'm doing that, could you talk about the counselors in schools? Because that changed in the last ten years, right? Wasn't there more counselors now than there used to be? Yeah, I mean, for for you know, in terms of counseling support, I mean, Shelley um, oversees our counselors, and she's actually working right now on a. Um, the state recently passed a, a a law that talks about the comprehensive school counseling plan. So Shelley's you know leading leading that work for us. 
Um, but our counseling program has grown tremendously in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, there was a time when I first came into the district, well, when Mike came into the district, when Shelly came into the district, we only had counselors at the high school. Mm-hmm. We didn't have counselors at middle school, and we didn't have counselors at our primary schools. And slowly we've added that. I mean, we've only had primary counselors for four or five years. Four or five years, years. Yeah. right. Yeah. Right. Those those are relatively new for us. So now every school has a, a full time counselor mm-hmm. in it, and I and and you know I think that we are actually looking at increasing those numbers. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, in the state of Washington, the funding model for um, for anything to do with social emotional learning is atrocious. I mean, the state doesn't fund um, counselors enough. They don't fund psychologists. They don't fund social workers. They don't fund nurses. You know, I mean, for instance, in the, in Battleground School District, um, for us in nurses, if we went by what the state provides us, we'd have like two nurses for the entire district versus, you know, we have, we currently have. Um, well, I don't, I mean, I don't even close to, close to 18, 19, 20 nurses when you count mm-hmm. our LPNs and yeah. our RNs. Yeah. Right? We have an LPN at all of our primary and middle schools and we have, um, RNs that work with all of, within those buildings. They're divided between buildings to oversee some of the work because there's a delegation of services across mm-hmm. what an LPN can do and an RN can do. And then we have RNs at both of our comprehensive high schools. So um, staffing-wise, I want to say that we're at 24, 26 hmm. um, nurses. And then we have a couple of health room assistants at our high schools as well that that help provide medications and, and just the emergent care that doesn't necessarily mean a nurse needs to provide that. A, right. a, a lot of, you know, in, in people may be wondering, why do you bring up nurses when you're talking about social-emotional learning? But a lot of the um, behaviors will manifest themselves physically. Mm-hmm. You know, kids will, there's an avoidance factor in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So you get the students who, you know, I got the stomach ache, I need to go see the nurse because they don't want to do their their work. And so, you know, sometimes a lot of conversations begin in the health room. Mm-hmm. And then they transition from there to, okay, we, we, we need to work with a student on some other issues and right. might involve a counselor and a teacher and then the parents and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's good. But yeah, for us, you know, our counseling program continues to, to develop. But even at this point, you know, at our, at our high schools, our, our caseload for our counselor, I mean, counselor is responsible for about 300 kids, <laughs> you know, so that's that's a lot of that's a lot of students and then you move to our middle schools and our primary schools Mm -hmm. and we have a single counselor so let's say that you're at lauren middle school and lauren middle school is over 700 kids Mm. so now you've got a counselor one counselor for 700 kids and so you need those other supports Mm -hmm. so so by putting a system in place and being uh, systematic about our approach to um, social emotional supports for kids then we can take advantage of 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 a lot of different people. So we for instance just initiated in all of our um in all of our middle schools we initiated what what we are calling SEL rooms for kids. So hmm. now if a kid is experiencing um you know a little bit of disequilibrium uh, we can send them down there and they can work with a trained paraeducator and the paraeducator can try to work them through some of the issues if they're having mm-hmm. to get, you know, if they're being disruptive in class. You know, the old method was send them down to the principal's right. office and, you know, the principal would have to deal with it and it takes up a lot of time mm-hmm. for principals. doesn't allow them to get into classrooms and work with teachers and do all of those kinds of things. And, you know, how effective is it, right. you know, if, if we're just going to kick students out of school? Um, and then they miss their opportunity to learn, and the the, the situation or the misbehavior could have been handled mm-hmm. differently. So we have those rooms now in our middle schools, and we're adding them next year to our primary schools, Good. and they're also in high school mm-hmm. as well. So it's just things like right. it's 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 things like that that will uh, will end up making a difference. Yeah, you know, you mentioned disciplinary issues. You know, and I've had plenty of conversations with neighbors and friends over about that, and and some you know rules that have changed, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. 
And, and it's not to say that, that we shouldn't address disciplinary issues. I'm, I'm certainly in favor of, of doing that when it's necessary. But a lot of times doing that isn't really dealing with the problem. It's dealing with the fruit of the problem, right? And so, so what we're talking about is actually helping get to, get to a deeper matter that's going to change the behavior. Right. Changing the behavior is the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, you mentioned there used to be counselors only in the high schools. Mike, I was wondering if you've, you've been through the process, you've seen what it was like before there were uh, counselors in, in elementary schools. How has that changed things? Oh, it's certainly um, changed things for the better. I remember the days where um, really the team um, that would you know intervene for students that needed social and emotional support would be, you know, the principals, you know, the nurse, um, the school psychologist. Um, adding the counselors to that team has been instrumental in um, supporting our students. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so fondly of the work that they're doing, not only on a informal level, but, you know, they're meeting with groups, you know, throughout the day that, um, you know, may, may be struggling with a myriad of, of things that may be interfering with their education. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I feel so blessed um, to have them in all of our primary schools. And I know I could speak for all of our teachers right. and students and, and, and the majority of our parents too, mm-hmm. um, and saying that same thing. Good. Looked like you're getting ready to say something, Shelley. Yeah. I, well, working with the counselors, I have um, had an opportunity this year that um, just has been welcome. They, what I've learned about our counseling staff is they really, really want to use the training that they have in order to help all kids. And what we've been, as Denny alluded to earlier, is in a crisis mode. Mm-hmm. So we only address things when they come up, and that's how our past has looked. Counselors in their training have been trained on how do you impact an entire system. You start with training all kids, and then when some kids aren't getting it, then you move on and you help those those um, that are still struggling with small group instruction, and then you individualize for the students beyond that. Their training comes in specific standards of learning for kids that hit both academic, social-emotional. They have the skills. So they really are the most skilled individuals in order to help change the trajectory for kids when they have those kinds of struggles. But unfortunately, the models have been with such low ratio or such high ratios that they haven't been able to do that work, Mm -hmm. but they have the knowledge. So the one thing that's exciting about this new um, Senate bill that we have out there, 5030, that it is actually requiring us to put together a plan to utilize those skills. And so while it's going to be challenging because they have things on their plate that uh, keep them from doing that work, particularly at the high school level when they're doing credits and figuring out all of the graduation components and trying to do waivers, and there's just a myriad of things that are on their plates, uh, they don't always get to that work. And so our challenge is to try and weed out some of those things that are keeping being them from being able to succeed and intervene for all kids. And so that's an exciting future for us. So mm-hmm. I feel like we've we've come a long way, but we also have a long way to go. And it's an exciting time to see those changes starting to happen. Yeah. You know, while the, um, I think it's important to point out for anybody listening in, while, while the state was only paying for a portion of the that important staffing, um, we, we still had it. But we were had to cover it with levy funds. Mm-hmm. So you know, when when the voters approve a levy, they they were adding those supports for kids. Mm-hmm. We'll still have to use our levy funds because again, they changed it and they're paying for more now. The prototypical what what is referred to as the prototypical school staffing model, but we'll have to pay for less of it using levy monies, and then we can really use the levy the the levy money to do the other things that mm-hmm. that that people want us to do. So, yeah, I'm still just thinking about the numbers. You said one to 300, one to 700. Yeah. You know, I'm a a pastor of a small church and, you know, I have 45 or 50 people that I'm responsible for. And when nothing is happening, it's okay. But, you know, when three or four families have something going on at the same time, it's, it's almost more than I can handle. Well, and, and, and you can imagine, um, the extra work, the extra pressure and stress that has resulted from the pandemic mm-hmm. and what we just came out of, you know, where kids were 
were doing remote learning for a really long time and then were coming back to school and it was something, you know, basically they'd been out of school for over a year. Um, so we, we've had to, we've had to deal with that and, you know, we're working through it and things are getting better, but you know, all I can say is thank goodness for the staff that we had mm-hmm. and the work that was put in. Right. Cause Absolutely. we wouldn't have made it. Yeah. I think one thing that we've missed talking about is our counselors and their role on the countywide smart team. So anytime that there's a, a tragedy, a tragedy in any of our schools, you know, many of our school uh, counselors are smart team trained and respond to um, any one of our schools in Clark County to help with the community response to whatever that strategy may, may be. Okay, what's a smart team? SMART is an acronym. It's one of those things again. <laughs> but the problem is, is I'm not sure I remember what the acronym stands for. Yeah, and I'm going to maybe school, look to somebody else here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking that the S and the M are school mobilization. And it's response team. Right. I know that. R&T is response team. Yeah. Right. So I don't know what the A stands for. Yeah, Adverse, re- adversity. I'm going to look it up when we get back now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it just, you know, so really it is, you know, just a risk. So if there, for instance, if there was a tragedy, mm-hmm. let's say that a, 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 you know, a staff member died in a car accident, mm-hmm. you know. And the and the school is going to be impacted. Both staff and students are going to be impacted. Um, a smart call goes out, hmm. and there's like a swarm of of counselors and trained staff who will converge hmm. on that particular building and provide support for days until you know there's a you know until they've kind of you know the the emotion and you know you've de- they've dealt with it and come. Are, are are moving towards coming to terms mm-hmm. with it, you know. It could be a student student suicide. It could be you know a student death associated with something. You mm-hmm. know, a, a lot of different reasons. But it's a it's a pretty. I mean, it, it's it it's it's sad that it has to happen. But to see it happen, you just are like, wow! Mm-hmm. Look at these people yeah. and converging and. You know, you see all these kids who are impacted by something that's gone on at school, and they're they're missing a friend or they're missing a favorite staff member because of that. And you know, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And these people come in and just, yeah, it's, it's almost amazing. impossible to describe yeah. the the skill and sensitivity in which that response is executed. I'm um, having been present for some of those. Um, just again, the word blessed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how we would respond to those situations right. without the smart team and without and our counselors. Their training is so specific. It's things that we wouldn't necessarily, a layman wouldn't specifically know. You know, for instance, if it's a, if a, there's a suicide, oftentimes people want to put together a community get together and, um, what what those people know and have taught all of us is that that can cause contagion. You don't want mm-hmm. to treat it as a celebration. Mm-hmm. You need to really pay attention to the way in which you respond because it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be as simple as going into a classroom and reading a script and helping them um, understand what to do or what to say because if they if a teacher's breaking down in front of the kids, that's not going to help mm-hmm. them get past it or or move on. And so all of the supports that are put in place, while they can impact the people that are going to help, they are critical for the people on the receiving end of this information. And so, yeah, it is, it's uh, touching to watch it unfold and uh, heartbreaking at the same Mm -hmm. time. And and those instances are, you know, fortunately very rare for us. But, you know, the the other aspect of social-emotional learning is just, you know, teaching kids some basic skills, teaching kids to deal with their emotions, teaching kids to be able to Mm problem-solve, teaching kids to be able to show – you know, we did a a lesson, we did a a podcast um, on kindness, Mm -hmm. you know, it's – Talking to kids about being kind, right. about you know what to do about bullying and 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 what to do when you're getting picked on. It's mm-hmm. it's just talking to kids about you know be, being a good person, right. what that what that entails, right? Right. 
Uh, can we talk just a little bit more about uh, at the at the I guess primary level? I said elementary earlier. I don't know if that's incorrect language now, but well, in our uh, district, we don't have elementary schools. We have primary schools. Okay, right. Was there a difference? Just- yeah. Well, um, elementary schools typically go to grade five, uh, one through five, or one through six, and in the battleground school district. Our fifth graders go up to the middle school, so we only go K through four. Okay. At our primary schools. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> we are unique. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, you it, with counselors, it used to be at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Then that's a lot of time and a lot of life to go by where problems are going on, and then by the time you get to high school, they're deeply ingrained, and the responses to that to that trauma or to the to the the stress and strain of of home life is already it's already in you at a level that's hard to change. And but if we can if we can make some changes when they're younger, then then feasibly we're not only helping make better adult citizens for the community, but we're also hopefully preparing better high school students for the high schools that that mm-hmm. some where some of the most dangerous bullying comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're offsetting that by starting younger. Is that is that part of the motivation? Yeah, certainly. An in, in early intervention is important. You know, it allows um, students to access their education much earlier and not to develop, to develop holes, whether it be in their social-emotional growth or whether that be in the academic world, because we know that the more gaps that exist as kids continue to struggle through school, you see things like high school dropout rates, you know, see, you see them um, engaging in less than desirable behaviors, mm-hmm. those types of things. And so the earlier that we can intervene, um, teach kids some of these skills, um, the more successful they're going to be in the long run. And I want to take us back to something that we talked a little bit about er- earlier about um, SEL. Um, how do I want to say this? Uh, that doesn't come, you know, student misbehavior does not come without accountability. But to reteach and change behavior, we have to provide kids with the skills so they don't continue to make those same mistakes. Right, right. And I think that sometimes there's confusion that because you teach SEL or you're trying to be proactive and intervene, it, it, it means that we're not holding kids accountable to their behavior. Um, and that's a common misunderstanding, mm-hmm. right? But accountability is different than discipline as well, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, it's very nuanced um, and, and very complicated, but but really the uh, the primary goal is for us to teach kids not to continue to make the same mistakes right. um, over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, you know, Mike's talking about the student who might be acting out, but we have a lot of students who are internalizers too. They're not acting out and we have to figure out what it is that's keeping them from being able to engage in. Sometimes that's digging in and helping them, uh, whether it's finding out what, is the behind the scenes factor that's going on for them or just having them tell us a little more about needing to learn in a different way. And what I'm excited about about the SEL rooms is for many kids, they just need a place that they can go to get reset, learn a few skills about how to be a student, how to play school. There mm-hmm. is a there obviously is a factor in teaching that because we've we've seen it as kids come back to school after being um, home and remote learning where the behavior both academic behavior and behavior behavior mm-hmm. is not what it was when they left us mm. and so certainly it's something that has to be explicitly taught right well you know to your point and something that Mike had said a little earlier, about, you know, for instance, reading scores. You know, if a child doesn't learn to read by the third grade, their chances of being successful are significantly diminished. Right, I mean, there's right. the, you can, you'd look it up. Anybody can look it up. Just mm-hmm. type in third grade, the importance of third grade reading scores, mm-hmm. and it's, it's there. Um, so, to, you know, to your point about the value of early intervention, and then, you know, what Mike just said, if, if we've got a student and they don't know how to play school, and they are dysregulated or things are going on, there's trauma and it's impacting their ability. That first, you know, that, that kindergarten year, that first grade year, that second grade year, that we've got to figure it out. Right. And then we've got to get them focused on their academics mm-hmm. because if they, again, if they don't learn how to read by the third grade, 
chances are it's going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's all of school is going to be a struggle. And right. then to your point, you know, once once school becomes a tr- struggle, once school becomes, a, you know, every time they go to school, they get zapped. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way I like to, to say it. <laughs> you know, they get zapped. Mm-hmm. Whether that's because they get the F on the test or whether the zap is because they got in trouble that day mm-hmm. or the zap is because they didn't have lunch or the zap, you know, they get zapped. Mm-hmm. Um at some point, you don't want to get zapped anymore. Right. And so you just check out, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not what we want to be seeing. Right. You know, to your point, Denny, you know, I, I believe that I, I read a stat recently that 70 to 80% of the individuals that are currently incarcerated are illiterate. Hmm. So it just, it speaks to the importance of self-regulation, being able to be minds-on, to learn to read by third grade so they don't fall into, you know, some of these trends and some of the statistics that um, really are hard to look at mm-hmm. and hard to hear and affect the greater community, to be quite honest. Right. I, I was certainly on that trajectory. I was mm-hmm. one of those kids that not only came from a traumatic home life, but I had hearing loss mm-hmm. due to ear infections as a child. So when teachers were trying to teach me phonemic awareness and phonics, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear sounds. Mm. So during those first, second, third grade years, forget it. That was useless. Um, They kept trying to teach that to me, and there was no way it was going to happen because I was underwater most of the time. And I can remember getting zapped over and over in fifth and sixth and finally had a teacher in seventh grade who made the difference because I was ready to give up. Mm. And she just said, okay, if that's your goal, you want to do that, you want to become a better reader, here's what you're going to do. And I think that's those kind of connections, whether it's a counselor, a teacher, we have lots of people in the school system who understand the importance of painting that picture. And it doesn't, it's not defined by roles. That's the other thing is helping our staff understand how important that is to student learning, that their job goes beyond just reading and writing and math, mm-hmm. um, helping them understand how they can make a huge difference for a kid and get them on a, a whole different um, pathway mm-hmm. just by the passion to believe in them and then provide the hard work, tell them the, tell them the real truth about right. it. You're going to have to work at right. this. It's not going to come easy. Um, I think that realism really helps our kids. Yeah. Yeah, Shelly, I think the the modeling of cooperation, kindness, acceptance, some of the words that I have written down here in my notes in front of me are are so important because it it just, to your point, takes one individual to change the trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you might not even know that um, as an educator that you were the one to do that until you get the call Mm -hmm. 15 years later to be like, hey, thank you in that one moment in time for checking on me mm-hmm. in, in some ways those can be life changing and life saving, mm-hmm. you know, so don't underestimate every single little interaction that you have with people because both good and bad, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more we could talk about, but we're running out of time. Uh, so I just want to offer a couple more thoughts. One, uh, we've limited our discussion to the schools but I think there's a lot of opportunity for families, parents, you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles to to look for the look at the other kids in your neighborhood. You know, we're drawn to our own kids, our own grandkids, but but there can a lot of a lot of help can come from neighbors. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if there's just if you if you notice someone in your neighborhood that's struggling and and they've got kids and and you know you you can just kind of come in and with a very kind approach and and offer offer help and it's usually not re, it's usually not rejected it's it's usually received mm-hmm. and and you can make a big difference in in just a child's life by by doing something small to the kids in your neighborhood and we can all make a difference that way but the other thing we we should talk about but maybe you can just offer a real quick thought on is technology and how how technology has fed into mm. some of the mental health oh boy. problems that we're <laughs> dealing with. Yeah. I oh think boy. that's a separate <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we do have this slated for, for, for discussion down the road, but from your perspective, you're seeing it hands-on. Um, what would be maybe one warning you would give parents about technology and their kids? I would highly recommend, certainly what I did with my girls, 
no cell phones until they're driving. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the worst things that our kids are impacted by is what's going on with others. We, we all know from our own personal experience, the negative impacts that, that a peer who's struggling can have on our child when, Mm -hmm. or ourselves when we get involved with the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Well, I just think that technology amplifies that tenfold. Um, you see it You see it in the conversations that are happening online. There's very few positive things that um, can't be shared in person or with a personal interaction that mm-hmm. is being shared on social media. <laughs> Just I, I don't see a lot of positives coming out of social media for students who are not being monitored. Mm-hmm. I mean, we monitor our kids in all kinds of environments and I just, ugh. Yeah, I I would say in addition to that, just the just the use of technology. Mike Mike was a, a a primary school principal. He could probably talk to this better than I can. But you know, we see we see kids that come to school, you know, in those early years, and that's all they're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, they're used to watching the TV. They're mm-hmm. used to being on their iPad. They're used to be able to play games whenever they want to play mm-hmm. games. Um, and they're not, you know, as Shelley used the term, they're not ready to play school because, mm-hmm. you know, they never had to, they've never had to do that. They, you know, they may not have even have ever opened a, a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that, that we see. So I just think monitoring, limiting, Make sure, make sure that kids are getting a, a wide range of experiences mm-hmm. and that they're used to being without technology right. as right. much as they are being with technology. Mm-hmm. I would say um, monitoring content. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, and also, you know, screen time, whether it be on their phone or video games, I think it's important, you know, everything in moderation, mm-hmm. right? And then lastly... I think that it's the instant gratification mm-hmm. that people get from being online that is just so very different than how our classrooms operate. Right. And to Denny's point, I think that students have a tough time transitioning to the intensity of some of the video games and the instant gratification that you get from likes and dislikes on Instagram. You have forgive me, I don't do social media. <laughs> um, but I, I think really sometimes plays at odds with some of the work that we're trying to do mm-hmm. with the organ in the organization. I, is there a time and place for it? Probably. Does it help some people to socialize and find place? Um, but in moderation mm-hmm. and with a lot of parent supervision. Right. I was just going to say, I think too, along those, along those lines, I think, when when I'm thinking about uh, human resources work that I've done, what I notice is it's it's important to set those limits early on and to teach those skills as well, because we see it in the people that we hire. You can see people who aren't really living in the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. They're in a different one. <laughs> and you can see it in the way that they work. They just work differently. And when people can't just have conversations with someone, it stilts every aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. And I I feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. I fe- I think, are you with us or are you not? Right. Are you are you right. even here? I miss you. You know, <laughs> those aren't, type of things. Aren't the countless Zoom meetings that we've been in over the you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a microcosm right. of what we're talking about here and how healthy it was for all of us right. be back together? Where masks, no masks. Mm-hmm. I think that just being being in front of people, next to people, and being able to read body language. Um, you know, there's more to communication right. than just the words coming across the screen. Right. And, and I get it from a parent's perspective. We have four kids and, and it's easy. It's an easy way to buy yourself some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we end up, we end up sacrificing our kids' future and their adulthood for, for a few moments of, of silence, you know, in the present. And our job as parents is not, is not to you know get our own needs met and to take care of ourselves. We're we're pouring ourselves into our children to raise adults who will contribute to the next generation, and and so you know it's easy because because you know we're stressed out and we're stretched to the max to to just say oh it's, it's not a big deal, and then we have to deal with the frustration of when we start pulling those things back. You know the reaction that our kids give us because <laughs> yeah. they're they're legitimately addicted to these things, and so they you know they re, they resist them and they fight, and so then you feel like well I don't want to I don't want to make my kid upset but i you know here's here's my encouragement be the bad guy it'll pay off it'll pay off for your family it'll pay off for their for their future mm-hmm. so 
All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Thank Thank you. It was my pleasure. When we're going through something difficult, we often don't understand why that thing happened to us until much later in life. You can hear how Shelley was able to turn adversity into purpose with her role in the district. I hope you could also hear just how important it is for our schools to care for each individual student in a holistic way. We'll be back next week to talk about the role of schools in the community with Philip Johnson, the mayor of Battleground. Our spotlight will be on a couple of parent-teacher organizations and associations. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, you can send an email to info at bgcast.org. We'll do our best to not only cover topics that matter to the district, but also those that matter to us as members of the Battleground community. You can also join our mailing list by going to bgcast.org, where we'll post the episodes and any additional information necessary. Until next time, I'm David Lindner, and thanks for working to bring the Battleground community and schools together. The BG Cast is a production of 6-8 Media in partnership with Battleground Public Schools.